Y'all ready to jump into this this morning? I believe the Lord's got a good word for us. Um, let's pray, and then we will get into this. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity you've given us, Lord. We pray over this word today, Lord, because we know, Father, you want to touch our lives in such a way, Lord God, that this word propels us, Lord, in the direction you need us to go, and that is to be more Christ-like. I pray over it, Father, that your anointing will be upon it, Lord, that your anointing will be upon each person that hears, and especially me, Father God, as I speak forth what you've given me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've kind of come to a place where, hang on. I hate these things. I hate them whenever you're out in public because you can never tell what the person behind the mask is doing, you know. I mean, one of the things that I do kind of naturally is I just smile at people whenever I see them. You know, I try to be friendly for heaven's sake. We're Christians, amen? But what I've come to know is they don't know if I'm smiling or if I'm frowning behind this. I could be sticking my tongue out at you right now and you wouldn't even know it. I am. (laughs) Just joking. I haven't done that in a couple of weeks. But anyway... We should be people who are happy, and people should know we're happy. Amen? So that's why I hate these masks, because I want people to know I'm happy. My uh, wife, every once in a while, uh, asks me, you know, are you happy? Things don't make you happy. You just choose to be happy. Amen? It's just a choice. You know, some of the happiest people in the world are people who don't have any money, so it's not money that makes you happy. But I'm just asking a question here, just, you know, the people who made this song famous, you know, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. You guys remember those? Seven Dwarfs, uh, there was Grumpy, there was Dopey, there was Doc, there was Bashful, there was Sneezy, Sleepy, and there was this one named Happy. So I'm going to ask a question of you. I want to know which one of these dwarfs best describes your spouse. Hey, listen, I had to ask my wife this before I left this morning. I said, so which one of these would best describe me? And she actually said, dopey. No, she didn't. She did not say that. She said, happy. I like to be happy. So regardless of what your spouse just got through saying about you, which one would you want to describe you if you were able to take a pick? And I hope that all of you would say, you know, I, I want to be happy. And so, you know, I'm just here just saying this morning, call me happy. Thank you. But really and truthfully, does that name really fit? My wife's been around me for 40 years, and so I have to ask this question because you know, I could be faking. I could be faking all the time whenever I'm smiling inside. I could be frowning. Are y'all there? And I know there's sometimes whenever we go through those moments in our lives where we, we uh, may be frowning on the inside, but we're putting on the best face we possibly can on the outside. Call me happy. Does that really fit you? I've only met one person in my life whose actual name was Happy. There's a young lady that came to our youth group for a little while, and uh, her real name was Happy. But there's a guy in the Bible this morning that I want to talk a lot about his life, because his life is, is, is really very similar to who, who you and I are as Christians 
all the many millennia after this guy walked on the earth. Uh, in, in Hebrew, this guy's name was Asher. But Asher actually means happy. He was one of the 12 sons of Jacob, where we get the 12 tribes of Israel. And he was actually the, the head of the Asher tribe. This man really has a, a very special significance to you and I's life here as we live it so many years after he walked the face of this earth. And so I got to tell you that uh, uh, Asher's life has some remarkable parallels to my life and perhaps your life as we go for as we go forward in this message. Asher started off with a lot of problems. <clears throat> Did anybody identify with that one? I uh, yeah. Okay, so Asher started off with a lot of problems, but God spoke a prophecy over his life really whenever he was born that he shall be happy. Names in the Old Testament meant something. Parents didn't just name their names. Well, let's see. Let me find a baby book and the 1,700,000 names that are in there. They meant something. They picked names that were significant as to who they would become, who they were. So this prophecy was spoken over Asher that he was going to be happy. And I really believe that God has spoken that same prophecy over you and I. He wants his kids to be happy. Amen? He doesn't want us behind this mask walking around in Walmart or Ingalls or wherever it is and, and not smiling at anybody even though they can't recognize we're smiling at them. Amen? He wants us, our lives full of happiness based on what he has done in us. So this morning I want to take a look at Asher or happy as it is. And I want to, I want you just to, to, to look at each one of these things we, that we bring out of the scripture that, that tell about his life and see if any of them even sound vaguely familiar. Well, first of all, Asher was born into a very dysfunctional family. And you go, oh, wait a minute. This is Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the fathers, are you? And you see, he's born into a dysfunctional family. And the answer to that is yes. How many of you all know that whenever you look at a lot of these Old Testament guys that are, are heralded as these amazing men of faith, that were amazing men of faith, they had messed up families. One of the most messed up families in the whole Bible was this guy named King David. And so it should not surprise us that here Jacob's family was a little messed up as well. Well, first of all, there was a rivalry between the wives of Jacob. Asher was born into one of the most dysfunctional families in the Bible, and this rivalry was seen firsthand. Jacob, his father, wanted to marry this girl named Rachel. He had fallen in love with her, but his father-in-law ended up tricking him into marrying the sister, Leah. Added into the story was this parental favoritism that Jacob had for his children. How many of you parents know it's not good to name the child you most like? <laughs> we shouldn't really have favorites, but all of us do, right? My favorite is the one who's doing the most for me at that moment. Okay, so... So you add in this favoritism that his dad had, the sibling rivalry between the brothers, uh, deceit, there was this long-standing resentment was in here. Leah, his wife, the not favored wife, if you would, he, she bore children to Jacob. But Rachel, the wife that he really, really wanted from the very beginning, she could not conceive or bear children. So Rachel gave Jacob her servant girl to bear sons for him. I'm just telling you, this is weird. 
okay? That's why men, I totally, totally hold to this, one wife. Okay, so Rachel gave her servant girl. <laughs> Thank you for that one. There should have been more of those, actually. <laughs> so Rachel gave Jacob the servant girl to bear sons for him, and this made Rachel feel a, a, a little, if you would, measure of success. So she couldn't bear sons, so she gives her servant girl so she could bear sons, and so Rachel feels this, this measure, if you would, of success. So whenever Leah, the, the wife, the first wife, the one that he really didn't want, but he got stuck with her, whenever she stopped childbearing, she gave Jacob her servant girl to bear children that would sort of be hers. Does that make sense? Kind of, sort of, maybe. Genesis 30, verse number 12 and 13. I want to read this to you because this is really important. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, I am happy for the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher. So that's how Asher got his name. Now remember, this is Jacob's son, but it's neither Rachel nor Leah's son. This is the servant girl that bore this. So dysfunctional family, rivalry between wives. Asher himself was really nobody special. He was the eighth in the list of all the boys. He had less status because he wasn't born to one of Jacob's wives. Does that make sense? So um, he was born to one, literally a concubine of his. He wasn't the strongest. He probably wasn't the most successful, maybe even not the smartest. He was pretty much just one of the kids, because I'll be real honest with you. As you go through this, you read the story about Joseph, you read the story about Benjamin, and so on and so forth, but you really just pay no attention to Asher. You just kind of skip him over. Like I said, he was the eighth in the line of all these boys, and he just really was nobody special. So third thing is, he made some bad decisions. I'm just curious if anybody in here has ever made a bad decision. I'm not sure if I've made one this bad, but I would have wanted to. He made the mistake of helping his brothers betray his brother Joseph and sell him into Egyptian slavery. Now, I'm just curious. I had two older brothers, and I would have sold them pretty much at any time growing up. Amen? I'm telling you, if I would have been there in, in you know, Cuamado, New Mexico, and an Ishmaelite camel trading party would have gone by, I would have sold my brothers in a New York minute. Well, he probably shouldn't have done that. I'm thankful I didn't do it because that would have meant my brothers would have went to Egypt and ruled and reigned over me. Made it even worse. So he's, he's part of this conspiracy. He's part of this deceit with his father. And so whenever they go back and they take Joseph's coat and it's covered with blood and it's all torn and tattered, and they said, you know, I'm sure he got killed. And, you know, here all the time they've sold him into slavery. They really didn't realize how hard their dad would take this news. I mean, it literally almost killed him. So he had to watch his, his father grieve for Joseph. And you got to know there had to be so much guilt in his heart. Amen? So bad decisions... He was also the father of a blended family. Now, I'm not going to go into a great deal with this, but the Bible lists 53 grandsons of Jacob, but only one granddaughter. And this granddaughter just happened to be the, the, the daughter of Asher. But this daughter really wasn't his biological daughter because he married a woman that 
that had three children and he adopted them. And so you got to see the similarities between his life and our life, okay? So Asher was a father of a blended family, and all that kind of says something about who Asher is. Now, I could have gone on with this list this morning, but I really believe that already we're seeing some similarities between Asher and us. He was just a plain folk. Everybody got it? Just plain guy. He grew up with all these problems around him. He grew up with this weird family. He grew up with these wives fighting him again. But there was also something that is kind of the other side of the coin with Asher. He was also very blessed by God. Man. First of all, he was blessed with mercy in the midst of judgment. How many of you have ever read the life and times of the people of God? I mean, it's like this saga that just goes on and on. And you hear this phrase many times, and they did evil in the sight of God. They were always doing dumb things. They were out in the middle of the desert, just wandering around, being nomadic people for the most part. And they were just always doing something that literally brought on them the judgment of God. For heaven's sake, there was one time where the earth opened up and just sucked a whole bunch of them down in it. Another time where a poisonous serpent started biting all of them. And it's just one time after another, after another, after another. But in the middle of all of these judgments, it seems as though Asher had the mercy of God upon him. Whenever Israel left Egypt, there were 41,000 fighting men in Asher's tribe. Okay, so I know these are numbers, but hang on to them. Forty years later, in all these judgments that had fell on the Israelites for their disobedience... Numbers 26.47 says that the number of fighting men in Asher had increased to 53,000. So from 41 to 53,000. Now, there was only one other tribe that actually increased during this time whenever God was bringing these judgments against the tribes of Israel. Asher's tribe increased and, and, and also Manasseh increased. Both of them about the same percentage points. Four, four of the tribes showed abnormally large losses. Simeon, Ephraim, Gad, they all showed losses. Most of the other tribes just showed a slight change one way or another. But two tribes emerged from this after a 40-year period of seeing the mercy that God shed upon them. Does that make sense? In the middle of all this judgment, they still were blessed by God. So it's believed that the tribe of Asher was more obedient and they suffered less judgment. They had more offspring than the, than the other tribes. Folks, I will tell you this. There is no price tag placed on God's blessing. I was talking with someone not very long ago, and, and, and you know one of the things that I try to do every day is I try to thank God for all the blessings that he's put in my life. Sometimes in the middle of my life is junk. Does anybody know what I'm saying, junk? Uh, bad stuff just comes every once and knocks on the door of our house, and I'm crazy enough sometimes just to let it in. But, it, it, you know, whenever we've had a bad day, we still have to know that God has blessed us in so many ways. And the blessing that he pours out on us so far outweighs those difficult times and situations in our lives. Amen? There's no price tag for the blessing of God on our lives. Folks, this morning as I was sitting there 
waiting to come up here, one of the things that just began to cross my mind is we are so fortunate today to be able to congregate here in this sanctuary. We're so fortunate to even be able to have an online presence. Folks are watching us right now online because there are tens of thousands of churches worldwide that they're not meeting. They're not meeting. They, they have no online presence. And so there's so many churches out there today that are, that are so uh, messed up because of the normal routine that we generally have of meeting together and being pastored, being loved by one another. There's no price tag for God's blessings. It's worth more than anything that this world has to offer for us. So Asher, he received mercy in the midst of judgment. That's a good thing. Another thing is Asher was anointed with oil. This is um, Deuteronomy 32, 33, verses 24 and 25. Moses prophesied over all the tribes of, of Israel. He set Asher aside and he prophesied, and this is part of the prophecy. It says, and of Asher, he said, most blessed of the sons be Asher. Listen to that. Most blessed of the sons be Asher. Let him be the favorite of his brothers and let him dip his foot in oil. Your bars shall be iron and bronze and as your days, so shall your strength be. So now this is Moses prophesying over Asher. This prophecy came true about Asher. Whenever Joshua divided up the promised land between the 12 tribes, God gave the tribe of Asher the land around the Sea of Galilee, the place where the soil was the richest and the olive trees flourished. Now listen to this. Even today in the land of Asher, olive trees will produce about 15 gallons of, of olive oil per season. Now you go, well, well, that's 15 gallons. The average olive tree usually does about two to three gallons of olive oil. So does that tell you anything? God's blessing is still on that land. Now, for those of you that are part of our Wednesday night Bible study, are we living in the end times? We're teaching something that I'm fixing to read, okay? In addition to this, so there's olive oil. He's always prospering and fit. That was a big time thing in his day. But in addition to this, the prophecy of Moses about Asher having oil led Israel's Zion Oil and Gas Company to do exploration in that area. They got to thinking. They said, you know, Moses prophesied this. The land of Asher is blessed with oil, so maybe it's not just olive trees. And so in 2015, they explored the area of Asher, and they... And the discovery was made for crude and natural gas near the foot of what they call Asher. So on the outlying edges of the, of the land of Asher, both onshore and offshore, considered to be in the billions of barrels. And now <clears throat> the last few weeks, we've been talking about what happens during the tribulation. One of the things we know, if you were here last week, is Russia is going to come down to Israel and wage war against them. This is one of the things they know about and they also want. <clears throat> wow, what a fulfillment. Do you remember what he said? He says, and let him dip his foot in the oil. Are you all there? So Asher is being blessed. He's, he's anointed with oil. The next thing is victory over his enemies. 
The rest of Moses' prophecy is this. Your bars shall be iron and bronze, as, as, and as your days, so shall your strength be. This promise is for military strength the ability to stand against their enemies. God cited two reasons for this. First, God would supply them with iron and bronze in quantities to fortify their cities. So here we have early uh, development of metals to literally become protection for them. Your, your bars shall be iron and bronze. Second, God promised that they would be given strength sufficient to withstand whatever force their enemies brought against them. And so God is blessing them with victory over their enemies. Amen? So Ellicott states that the Jewish scholar, states the Jewish scholars believe that the last phrase, as your days, so shall your strength be. As your days, so shall your strength be. It means this. Your strength in old age will be as the strength of your youth. So again, here's Moses' prophetic word given to Asher. And I look at this and I'm thinking, man, I like that. Amen? What if your strength was like it was in your youth. Amen? What a promise. I mean, to you guys that are 20 years old sitting out there, you're going, I don't have any idea what that means. But whenever you're 59 and just hanging on to your 50s by your fingernail tips, you know what that means. I'd love to have the strength I had whenever I was 20. I'd still like to be wearing 30-inch waist too instead of these 32s that I've got on, so... That was definitely not a place to laugh. I don't. But I mean, you think about this. This is the prophetic word that went out to to Asher. So this morning, just taking a moment and just looking at his life, kind of what he was like, what was prophesied over his life. Now I want to talk about the parallels that we have to his life as Christians. To us today, we should be happy about this. Asher was happy. Man, he went around singing, man, I got, I got the best land in the region, man. I've got, I've got olive trees that will produce 15 gallons of olive oil. Are you all there? I mean, all of these things stacked up against him at early age, but man, God is a God that blesses. He gives us victory over our enemies. He gives us oil. Oh, man, I love it. We all came from a bad family, didn't we? And you go, wait a minute, I'm your son. I grew up in your house. Well, that's not necessarily the the, uh, messed up family that I'm talking about, even though we were messed up, all except for my wife. She was normal, and then she married me. We all come from a messed up bloodline, folks. It's not necessarily your immediate family, but the sin of Adam and Eve made us all sinners. It all, the sin of Adam and Eve absolutely settled, separated the, the entire universe from God because all of a sudden, Adam and Eve do this crazy thing in the garden with the fruit that they were told not to do anything with, and now we have to pay the consequences for this. Like Asher, there was no way that we could escape our, our crazy family. No way we could escape what had been brought on us by Adam and Eve. We we could never escape the genetic mess we were in. Amen? Do you know science has proven that all of humanity on the face of the earth can all be traced back to one woman? It's not Hillary. It's Eve. It can all be traced back to Eve. 
Isn't that amazing? And here we are descendants of Eve, and because of that, we are our bloodline is a genetic mess. But thanks be to God. Man, isn't that a good way to, to just segue into this next part of my sermon? We've been messed up. In fact, the Bible tells us that the penalty for sin is death. The penalty for sin is death. Breaking one of these rules that God has put forth in this book, the penalty for that is death. But the amazing part is this. The Bible tells us that all have sinned. It puts everybody in the human race all in one box, and it says, all of you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You see what a genetic mess we're in? And that's because of Adam and Eve. We're in a messed up family. <laughs> My family's a mess. But thanks be to God. I forgot. I'd already started that phrase. But thanks be to God. We've been born of God. You see, if you are a Christian today, not just in name only, but you've had a born-again experience with Jesus Christ, a John chapter 3 experience where you are born again, you know that you know that you know that if the world would end right now, that you are on your way to heaven, amen? You've got that assurance in you by the Word of God. We have been born of God. We've been engrafted into Jesus Christ. We've been made partakers of the divine nature of God. Whoa, that's good news right there. Even though we were born into this messed up family, you see, we've all been made new, new creations in Christ Jesus. I've got a whole nother bloodline flowing through my veins right now. Amen. Hallelujah. That's good. In Jesus, we have been restored to favor with God. Because you see, before, because of our genetic mess that boiled all the way down from Adam and Eve, before, the Bible calls us enemies with God. And you go, oh, I was never an enemy of God. Folks, the Bible clearly states that we are enemies of God. But now, all of a sudden, we've been restored to favor. We've actually been made heirs, heirs of the Most High God. Joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something. That feels pretty good. It feels pretty good right now. I'm looking at myself and I'm thinking, man, you're, you're sitting pretty good to be heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. They'd be brought back into favor with the Almighty God that literally at any moment in my life, I can come boldly into the throne room of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I can come into his throne room without him ever tipping his scepter to me, without any kind of fear that I might be cast out and executed because I've entered into the King's presence unworthily. You see what makes me worthy is not anything that I've done, but what my older brother Jesus Christ done. He gave his life for me. And because of that, I find favor in the king's presence. Whoa, man, that's good. I'm telling you that's good. I got a, my family and, and my past, you know, all the users, Adam and Eve and all the ones falling down. Folks, even my my own family tree that I can go on Ancestry.com doesn't look so good sometimes. Let me just read you this little story. It's like this family who hired a biographer to write a family history. They wanted a family history of everything that had taken place. But they got the biographer before he ever started and said, now listen, we've got a black sheep in our, in our, in our family. His name is Uncle George. Everybody's got one of them weird uncles. You know what I'm saying? And if you don't know who your weird uncle is, that's probably you. Okay. But they warned him. They said, we got this black sheep. His name is Uncle George. And he was literally executed in the electric chair for murder. Whew. 
the biography, he looked at him and he kind of scratched his chin. He said, no problem. He said, I'll merely say that Uncle George occupied a chair of applied electronics at an important governor, go government institution. He was attached to his position by the strongest of ties and his death came as a real shock. See, we've all come from a bad family, but because God's mercy and his grace has so rained down on you and I, folks, I got a good family. You want to look into my family tree? You got to look up. Hallelujah. I go into a doctor's office and they give you that clipboard, you know, it's got 712 sheets of paper on it. And they says, give me your family history. Give me everything I want to know, everything about you. And, you know, I go through there and it says, you know, do you have this in your family? And I just mark, no, 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 no. Because I don't. I'm not lying about it. Jesus doesn't have any of those ailments. Come on. We got to recognize that we're part of a new family and it ought to make us happy. Amen. Oh, you were really happy with that one. Come on. I mean, we are born again. We are children of the Most High God. Regardless of our family background, regardless of what Adam and Eve did, they broke the universe, people. Jesus Christ came and he said, man, I will give my life for you. <sighs> yes, I'm sorry. This next one is God showed mercy in Jesus Christ. Just like Asher's tribe was spared from judgment, so we've also been spared from the judgment of hell. That's simple, folks. You and I, if we are born again, will not receive the punishment and the judgment that is due us. Why? Because God is merciful. And let me just tell you something about yourself. I'm going to let you in on this. You deserve to be punished. Not me, but you. No, we all do. We all deserve punishment. And I said just a moment ago, the penalty for sin or the punishment for sin is death. But here's God with this amazing mercy through Jesus Christ saying, listen, I will atone your sins through the body of my son, Jesus Christ. Because of God's grace, Listen to this next sentence. His wrath was exhausted on Christ. You know what happens whenever you get exhausted? You just quit. I've been exhausted a few times in my life, and I, I just quit. I just say, that's enough. I can't do anymore, and I just sit down. I do that about six, eight times a day now. God's judgment, God's wrath was exhausted in Jesus Christ. That means he has no more left that he wants to pour out on us. God has nothing left but mercy and love. Man, sound like Asher? Sound like Asher? Of course it does. Christ opened up literally a brand new world of love. He opened up a brand new world of joy. He opened up a brand new world of fulfillment that you and I can live in forever. Let me just tell you something. I am so glad that his mercies are new every morning. And that ought to give us something to whenever we're down there piggly wiggly and wearing one of these things that we just, we're smiling through it. Amen.
I mean, we ought to smile so big that our eyes look like we're smiling. Does that make sense? You know, your ears are about a half inch higher on your head because you're smiling and people just know it. Because it's good to be in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. This next one. Oh, we're, we're doing good. God fills us with his spirit. And you go, well, what does that have to do with anything? I didn't read any of that with Asher's life. Well, just as, just as Asher was promised oil by God, so God has given us abundance of his spirit. That, by the way, his spirit throughout the whole book is compared to oil. If you all remember the story of whenever Samuel went to Jesse's house to pick the next king of Israel, one of the things that he did whenever he found David, who had been out tending the sheep, was not the sheep, he was not even allowed to come in with the rest of his brothers to even be looked at, to be chosen, but he indeed was chosen. One of the things that Samuel did is he opened up the horn of oil and he poured it over David's life. Significant, folks, significant, because at that moment, the Holy Spirit of God anointed David to do the mighty things that David did. At that same moment, that oil, that significance of oil was literally had been taken away from Saul, the king that was on the throne at that moment. He lost his anointing. Jesus told his disciples in John 14, he says, I'll ask the Father and he's going to give you another comforter to be with you forever. You know him, he dwells with you and he will be in you. So what is Jesus speaking of? He's speaking about the Holy Spirit. We know that whenever Jesus was standing on the Mount of Olives, he uh, gave his uh, uh, followers about probably 700 in total. He gave them the last instructions after he had been crucified, raised from the dead, and walked in their midst for uh, quite a while. And he's finally fixing to ascend to the right hand of the Father. He gives them instructions, but one of the instructions, he says, you need to go to Jerusalem and wait to be endowed with power. And they did. 120 of them showed up in the upper room. And I will tell you this, this is that little sniveling snothead Peter that just days before had denied Jesus three different times as Jesus was being arrested and thrown into the clink. He's out there saying, I don't know him. And just hours before he said he didn't know him, he's saying, I'll die with you, Jesus. I'll lay my life down for you. And just moments later, he's denying that he ever even knew Jesus Christ. Peter, this guy that, man, he acted so tough, but he really wasn't. But all of a sudden, something happened in Acts 2, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. The oil literally is that horn that Samuel broke open and poured over David. Literally at that moment, those followers in that upper room were receiving the, the, the oil of the Holy Spirit into their lives. And they were anointed. Woo, baby. It's good news. God filled them with the Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18, it says, be continuously filled. And you know why we need to be continuously filled? I've said this time and time again, because we leak. That's why we leak. We can't just go get filled one day and feel like we're going to make the rest of the uh, lifetime. we got to get filled every day with God's Spirit. He needs to pour that oil out on us anew and afresh every day that we live. That oil heals and it empowers you and I to do more than we could ever do on our own. We got to have that fresh oil every day. Amen. This next one 
goes right along with Asher. You remember that God says you're going to have bronze and you're going to have, uh, uh, you're going to have these metals that you can fortify your cities with. Well, why? Well, he was going to give them victory over their enemies. How many of y'all know that, that their enemies would come knocking on their door every once in a while and say, we want to take over all your stuff. We want to carry your kids and your women off, and we want to just have all your stuff. And Asher was given this amazing thing by God, this prophetic word that was sp- spoken over him to be able to resist the power of those enemies, to be able to squash the power of those enemies. And folks, I'm going to end on this one, but I really believe that, that this could possibly be the one that you and I need to hang on the tightest to. Because God gives us victory over the devil who is our enemy. And folks, I will tell you this, I believe more and more, the older I get, the more studied that I am, I believe that we have so underestimated the power of Satan. If you look around our country right now, and just by chance, looking around our country, if you say, man, our country is a mess right now. It's a mess economically. It is a mess politically. It is a mess racially. And the list just goes on and on. If you look around, I promise you this, every one of those problems that our nation is having right now, it comes back to one single individual, and that is Satan himself. He wants our nation ruined. Hello. But Asher had victory over his enemies, and God in the same measure gives us... You see what I'm saying this morning, folks? As I go through this list, you and I ought to be getting happy. We ought to be going, geez, man, I got that. Whoa, baby, that's good. I'm sorry. God gives us victory over the devil. He comes knocking at our house, and he's going, man, I'd like to come in and take what you have. I want your kids. He wants every one of your kids. He wants to get them strung out on pornography or drugs, and the list goes on and on. If he can't do that, he wants to kill them while they're driving down the highway. The list goes on and on. He wants your kids. He wants them brainwashed so that they pick up the 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 way that our 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 the, the way that our country thinks socially. Because folks, it's all twisted up. He wants your kids. He wants your health. He wants your finances. Ultimately, he wants your life. Do you realize the suicide rate today worldwide is is expanding exponentially? People are killing themselves because they have no hope. Who is behind that? It's Satan. But this is what I'm saying this morning. God gives us victory over the devil, who is our enemy. You see, Asher... Receive this promise of strength. The enemies come against you. You are going to get stronger than they are. (laughs) This is scriptural. That's why I'm giggling. It's good. That's what Jesus said. Y'all ready for this? Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over the power of all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Woo, man! Are y'all seeing what I'm seeing? You see, this same prophetic word that was spoken over Asher by Moses, Jesus Christ literally speaks it over our lives. He says, man, I'm telling you, anything comes against you, you have the power over it. We have the power over Satan. And you said, Pastor, you just a minute ago said, we've so underestimated the power that Satan has. 
And I'm saying amen to that. He has power. But greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. <laughs> oh, this is what Isaiah says in 54, 17. He says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And if you don't think the COVID virus was a weapon formed against us, you are on crack. I'm telling you, it may have been birthed over there in China, but I want to tell you that Satan thought it up first. He wants to ruin, he's ruined the world's economy right now, folks. We got people that are scared to death of this crazy COVID virus and all the ramifications of it. And please don't misunderstand me. I think it's pretty serious. I had it. I walked through about three weeks of, of really being sick. Thankfully, there was no hospitalization and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, it's real. And Satan brings it knocking on our doorsteps. But here's the thing. The same way that Asher was promised strength, all the strength that he needed to overcome the enemy, we've got that same promise. You see, this is what I'm going to say to y'all. We are invincible if we're obedient and under the blood of Jesus Christ. Ran into a missionary years ago that just said something that just boggled me. He's preaching. He's got about 7,000 stories, and he's telling them all, man, this guy was a missionary extraordinaire, and his life had literally been threatened so many times, and he had been in so many close calls. I mean, people holding AK-47s on him, just fixing to blow his head off. I mean, just crazy stuff had happened. And he, he said this. He said, he said I'm going to tell you what. He said, there's been people come to me and say, man, you don't need to be down there. You need to move out of that dangerous area. You need to take your family out of that dangerous area. And he says, let me tell you something. I'm invincible until Jesus Christ takes me home. I'm invincible. He said, they can't kill me. They can't kill me until Jesus Christ decides they can kill me and take me home. Mm-mm-mm. And your days shall be your strength. As your days are, that's how your strength is going to be. Like, like you were 20. And again, I said this a minute ago. It means nothing to a 20-year-old, but it means somebody whenever you're my age. You see, we need strength. I've got a pretty simple way that my wife and I deal with her illness. Whenever I'm getting up in the morning, one of the very first things that I do is I ask the Lord for the amount of strength that I need for that day. I don't ask him for tomorrow because, man, tonight about 9 o'clock, we may get raptured out of this place. Are you all with me? So I don't ask for tomorrow. I'm not worried about tomorrow, but I just need enough strength for today. And I have to tell you, there's been some days that have been really pity days. Are you all there? But the amazing thing about it is God has always provided the measure of strength that I needed so as to get through that day. Praise God. As your days, so shall your strength be. This is a promise literally that comes to us without limits. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen? You may have something come against you, your family, 
some kind of hardship that you face, some kind of grief that comes into your life. It could be in the form of a sickness. It could be in the form of persecution. There's all different kinds of things. But the thing is, you don't need to worry about tomorrow because your days shall be, uh, because as your days, so shall your strength be. Jesus said in John 16, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. He said, I've already overcome the whole world. Just a little story that I, Jared, if you'll come and help me close this morning, I kind of want to end with this or come close to the end with this. Corten Boom, which many of you all are familiar with her story, amazing woman of God. She was in prison during World War II for resisting the Nazis in the Netherlands. And she tells her this story about a conversation that she had with her father. So I'll pick it up. She says, Daddy, I'm afraid that I'll never be strong enough to be a martyr for Jesus Christ. Her father told her, tell me, when you take the train, whenever you take a train trip, when do I give you the money for the ticket? Three weeks before? No, daddy, you give me the money just before we get on the train. He replied, that's right. And so it is with God's strength. Our wise father in heaven knows when you're going to need things too. Today, you don't need the strength to be a martyr. But as soon as you're called upon for the honor of facing death for Jesus, he'll simply, he'll simply supply the strength that you need just in time. Corten Boom later said, I took great comfort in my father's advice. Later, I had to suffer for Jesus in a Nazi concentration camp. He, he indeed gave me all the courage and power that I needed. Pretty simple. Man, I wish I had a whole bucket load today of all the strength I needed for the next month or so, but that's just not the way God works. He just gives us enough for today. And so this morning, I want us to be a happy people. You know, I don't, I don't want us as Christians just walking around. <laughs> Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. <laughs> I mean, seriously. We got to be a people who are thrilled at the knowing of who we are. Asher was happy. I have an idea. Asher was probably the funnest one of all these brothers. Are y'all there with me? I think he was fun to be around. I think whenever his kids look back at, you know, the life that they had spent with their father, I imagine they said, you know, my, my dad was fun to be around. He wasn't weighed down by all the circumstances that the world oftentimes puts on your shoulders. You see, Asher probably didn't worry about a, a, a marauding band of, of, of thieves and, and killers coming and knocking on the door of his, of his land. Because why? Because God said, hey, you're going to have enough strength to overcome any amount that comes against you. And you and I can do the same thing. We walk through this and go, oh man, COVID, oh man, this, oh man, that. Oh, the stock market, oh my finances, oh this, oh that. And we can just go through our whole life. But God said, I will give you the strength to be able to walk through anything that you're going to walk through. I got to tell you this. I think there's never been a time in history whenever Christians are more unhappy than they are today. I mean, let me just ask you this. When have you just had a good belly laugh? 
You know, when? When was the last time that you know that you just went around all day long just going zippity doo dah, zippity a? See, I can tell you the days that I went around going, man, this day really stinks. Way easier than I can tell you of a day where I just enjoyed life and enjoyed God and said, man, your promises are awesome, God. All this unhappiness that we have with all these amazing promises that God has given us. You see, Moses spoke over Asher. This is the cool part about this. Asher literally came before him and Moses spoke over him this blessing. Let me just say this. Your heavenly father has also done the same thing to you. He's spoken this over your life because this is the way he wants your life to be. He wants your life to be happy. He wants you to be described as happy. One of the seven dwarfs, happy. Not grumpy and for sure not dopey, you know? Let me just read you this little story and... I think it's got great significance as we close. Stephen Marsh of New Jersey was a typical busy American businessman. When his old eccentric aunt died, he hoped he might get a windfall. She had no kids, and he was her favorite nephew. He was called to the reading of her will, and the lawyer read, to my beloved Stephen Marsh, I bequeath my family Bible, and all it contains, along with the rest of my estate, after my funeral expenses and debts are paid. Wow! Stephen was her only heir, but he was disappointed whenever her net worth turned out to be a few hundred dollars after expenses. Stephen shook his head, and he stuck the old family Bible in a trunk in his attic and closed it up. Years went by, and Stephen's business failed. Money got tighter and tighter, Finally, he had to sell everything just to pay his debts. In preparation for moving, he was cleaning out his attic and found that old family Bible that years earlier had been presented to him by his, by his aunt. He thought to himself, I probably need to read this. <laughs> Only God himself can get me out of this bind. He opened the huge old volume family Bible and he began leafing through it, and to his joy and to his astonishment, she had scattered throughout the pages over $500,000 worth of cash and certificates. So within his reach were the riches that he could have been joining all the time. Within his reach were all of this money and all these certificates that he could have been enjoying. And so my question to him is this, why didn't you ever open it? Why didn't you ever claim your inheritance? How many of us in this room could say, <clears throat> yeah, I could use a, a little bit more mercy. Oh man, I could definitely use a whole lot more of the Holy Spirit. That oil that flows down covers my whole life. 
And oh yeah, I could use definitely some victory over the enemy right now. And maybe you say, well, I don't need any of those. I will tell you this, folks. There's going to come a time in your life, perhaps even today before you get through with it, you're going to need some strength. You're going to need some strength to do something as you have called upon to do it, and you're going to find yourself lacking in that area. Jeremiah 29, 11, a very familiar portion of Scripture. I've taught this to the youth for weeks and weeks and weeks. This is what God says about you and I. He said, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. God is thinking about us right now. I know the thoughts that I'm thinking about you. God's thinking about you and I right now. This is what he says. Thoughts of peace and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Do you realize that he thought the same thing about, oh, happy? Oh, Asher here in the Bible, he, that's what he was thinking. He said, man, I, I want to bless this guy. He's number eight in this line of all these men, but I'm telling you, I want to bless him. He's not even really the son of one of the wives of Jacob, but I want to bless him anyway. And so we see the life of Asher blessed over and over and over again, no matter what kind of family he grew up in, no matter what he faced whenever he was young. And this morning, I just got to say this, folks, and we got to hear it loud and clear. God is for us. He's for us. That's what this whole message is about. I mean, how many of us in this room might have been raised in a dysfunctional family, and we could probably use a little bit of healing right now? For heaven's sake, I got relatives that were raised in dysfunctional families that, that, that 80 some odd years after the whole thing was committed, they still have pain in their lives from it. Are y'all there? Because dysfunctional families are a mess to be raised in. Maybe you're in this room and you've made a, a mistake. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've made a mistake. You've, you've just, you've made a mistake. I don't, probably don't even need to go any further than that. You might have hurt someone. You've done something and you realize looking back, it's a mistake. Asher did that. He sold his own brother into slavery, man. I'm going to tell you something, that's low. Even though I would have wanted to do it, it's low. Maybe this morning, some of you in this room, maybe some of you listening on the internet, you need to forgive somebody that's hurt you. You see, because I believe there are others of you who want to rise to the potential that is in you. The potential that, that, that God has given each one of us to literally change the world that's around us, to impact the world with our lives. I just want to be happy. And the way I look at it, just through the text of this sermon this morning, I got plenty to be happy for. I don't have to have a new car or a new bass boat. I don't got to have all the peripheral things that we often think we need, you know, all the stuff at Stuff Mart when we need that. We don't need the, need the latest, greatest tech it's for a phone or iPad or whatever. We, we don't need that. I've read enough this morning out of this amazing book that God gives us that we should be happy if we just had these things. But I got to tell you, this book is loaded with more than just the things I talked about this morning. It is loaded with the very great and precious promises that God gives us, hundreds and hundreds of his promises. And this morning I pray 
If you've kept this book up in your attic, locked away in a trunk, I pray you open it up and you take advantage of the inheritance that God has given you, amen? This morning, regardless of where you're at, where your life is, there's happiness if you will reach out and take it. It's not gonna come to you and knock on your door and barge in and wrestle you down to the couch and then get all over you. You gotta reach out and grab a hold of it. And you gotta decide I'm gonna be happy. For heaven's sake, folks, just take one of these things, just one of them. Just, just take that his mercies are new every morning and he's merciful to me because I'm, a, I'm, I'm stupid sometimes. I'm stupid a lot of times. I'm stupid a lot, and he's merciful to me. He's so patient with me. I don't know why he doesn't hit me in the head with a hammer. That's enough for me to be happy, amen? Father, we love you this morning, and we thank you for this word. Father, I pray it affects us, God, because we need to be a people that are happy about who we are and where we're going and what we have, Lord God. And Father, it's not the stuff that is out there, Father, that, that, that is, is temporal, Lord, those things that are going to be here today and gone tomorrow. But Father, it's about this eternal stuff, Lord. And I pray, Father, that everybody in this, in this room, everybody listening online, Lord God, makes a decision. They're going to grab a hold of happiness, Lord God. They're going to grab a hold of it, and we're going to be a happy people. We're going to be like Asher, happy. Not grumpy, but happy because of all that you've done for us, because all that you're doing for us. Father, we thank you for the word of God that changes the inside of who we are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you folks, love on one another, and be happy, amen. <laughs>